Bloomberg Law is brought to you by Norton from Symantec. To help protect you in a changing digital world, Norton plans to join forces with LifeLock. When combined, they'll redefine digital safety and help you gain control of your privacy, security, and identity. President Barack Obama is using the last days of his administration to try to protect the environmental legacy that he sees as a central part of his presidency. He's spoken about growing up in Hawaii and the magic of the pristine ocean there, something he's determined to preserve. The notion that the ocean I grew up with is not something that I can pass on to my kids and my grandkids is unacceptable. It's unimaginable. But he'll be followed in office by Donald Trump, who has vowed to undo Obama's environmental policies, repeatedly saying climate change is a scam. A lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. I mean, it's a money-making industry, okay? The whole thing is crazy. The whole thing is crazy. So Obama is making last-minute moves that will be difficult for President-elect Trump to reverse quickly or perhaps at all. He's using an obscure provision of a 1953 law to permanently block oil and natural gas drilling in 115 million acres of federally-owned Arctic waters, home to endangered species including polar bears and bowhead whales, and in nearly 4 million acres of the Atlantic Ocean, home to unique deep-water corals and rare fish. This is the broadest use of the statute ever, uncharted waters. My guests are Robert Craig, professor at the University of Utah, and Pat Parento, professor at the University of Vermont Law School. Pat, is this an audacious move by Obama? It's bold. I don't know whether I call it audacious, but it's definitely bold. Um, It's uh, deeply felt, as you were just saying, by the president, uh, not only for the protection of the ocean, but also his other signature issue, which is reducing the United States emissions of carbon dioxide and and methane from uh, fossil fuel production. And Robin, tell us about the law itself, the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act, and why it was used. Well, the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act, as the intro mentioned, uh, was enacted in 1953 to resolve uh, some lingering legal difficulties about leasing offshore uh, lands, submerged lands for oil and gas development. So uh, it it followed in the wake of an important Supreme Court decision, California versus the United States, which essentially said that the offshore submerged lands are the federal government's. So the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act, uh, with its companion statute, also in 1953, the Submerged Lands Act, first divided the submerged offshore lands between the states and the federal government, usually at the three-mile line, uh, but also set up procedures for the federal government to lease what are known as the Outer Continental Shelf Submerged Lands for oil and gas development. Uh, And it included this provision that President Obama just used, which gives the president unilateral authority to set aside the offshore submerged lands uh, to take them out of the leasing pool if the president so desires. Uh, And why President Obama used this statute is that, unlike the Antiquities Act, which he's also used recently, Uh, The Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act protects the continental shelf itself, 
uh, not the the water columns the way that the Antiquities Act can. So, Pat, will this be able to survive a Trump challenge? Because well, the administration well, seems to think that it has a pretty good chance. Yeah, I think they, they're justified in that. The provision that Robin was describing does not contain, as some other similar laws authorizing presidential uh, or secretarial withdrawals, it does not contain language uh, allowing subsequent presidents to revoke the withdrawals of earlier uh, presidents. So that's an untested uh, interpretation of what this provision means. There's no case law that specifically addresses, you know, whether uh, a withdrawal can be uh, canceled by a subsequent president. And in fact, where Congress has um, thought that that was important to include in a statute such as the Federal Land Policy and Management Act, it expressly did so. And so one of the doctrines of statutory construction that will come into play here is when Congress knows how to write a statute to provide for reversal, let's say, of a withdrawal, um, it has done so. It did not do so in the 1953 OCSLA. Uh, so the Obama administration is taking the position uh, that the Trump administration does not have the authority to, to revoke uh, what he's done, and only Congress could do that through an amendment, for example, of the OCSLA. But I guess what I would say is this is a, this is a novel legal question. Uh, who can challenge uh, Trump's attempt to reverse Obama's order will be the first question. There'll be a procedural jurisdictional question of how do you actually challenge a Trump decision to reverse this order? Uh, there, are, there, are, there are ways to do that, but, but that will be, uh, be, be litigated as well. So if we're looking at this thing being resolved by the courts, I think we're talking about years before that would happen. And as far as, as um, Robin, as far as Congress being able to pass legislation reversing the move, that, that's a high hurdle, isn't it? Because it would require a 60-vote Senate majority? Uh, if, it was, if it needs to be veto-proof or if it needs to overcome a filibuster, yes. Uh, you know, I, otherwise you're just subject to normal congressional majorities, and the Supreme Court has been very clear that Congress has plenary authority, pretty broad authority, to deal with federal property uh, under the Constitution as as it wants. So uh, what I think will be interesting if, if, if it gets to Congress is that President Obama set aside or withdrew lands that not many oil companies are actually interested in developing. Uh, so the Arctic offshore lands, uh, Shell ha was trying in 2012 and 2015 uh, to drill a successful well up in the Arctic Ocean, and finally said it, it's it's pretty much giving up for the time being because it's not economically viable at this time. Uh, oil prices are too low, and that's, that's a very expensive and dangerous place to try and do offshore drilling. And the same along the East Coast, while there's, there's been some uh, interest in doing offshore drilling off of North Carolina, most of the areas that President Obama protected have not been uh, significantly interesting 
to, to oil companies in the past. So the other question I would raise on the congressional front is who would actually be pressing for the legislation to reverse well, besides Pat, the Trump administration itself. Pat, if there's no commercial drilling currently there, and there are a lot of other challenges for drilling, in, in about a, a minute, why are so many oil executives and oil industry groups asked saying that this should be reversed? Oh, I think this is a power struggle. Uh, this is a, a, an argument over who gets to decide these questions of when and how these resources will be developed. That's certainly the state of Alaska's argument in this situation. How is it that a lame duck president with a stroke of a pen can write off all these areas, uh, as, as some people are arguing, in perpetuity or permanently? Uh, so it, it's as much an argument about control over these resources as it is the right now uh, commercial uh, availability of these resources. I agree with Robin from what I've seen. Uh, the Arctic is probably one of the last places the oil industry is interested in, in developing right now. Um, but that could change, of course, as oil prices fluctuate and so forth. So it's, it's a question of who controls these areas. We've been talking about President Obama using the last days of his administration to try to protect his environmental legacy, which he sees as an important part of his presidency. And I've been talking with two law professors about this. Robin Craig, professor at the University of Utah Law School, and Pat Parento, professor at the University of Vermont Law School. Pat, what is the ecological importance of some of these areas that Obama is using tactics to prevent drilling in? Well, the Beaufort uh, Sea and the Chukchi Sea off the coast of Alaska is called the Arctic Ring of Life. Um, it's an incredibly biologically rich body of water. Uh, as you mentioned in the, in the setup piece, uh, the home of polar bears, bowhead whales, ring seals, lots of marine mammals, fisheries that are of vital importance to the, the Inupiat people uh, of the north uh, for sustenance, for commercial activity. It's part of it's their, their culture. It's, it's almost their iconic uh, areas of, of the Arctic. So, you know, even if it weren't for the Section 12A provision, um, this is an area that could qualify for being set aside, as Robin mentioned, under the Antiquities Act. Uh, it could be designated as a marine sanctuary. Uh, President Obama did de designate the, the largest marine sanctuary uh, in the world in the Pacific Ocean using the Antiquities Act. So lots of incredibly valuable ecological resources in the Arctic. And the same is true of these canyons off the um, the East Coast. These are deep corals, uh, largely unexplored, uh, that could contain all kinds of life that we're not even aware of. So important in their own right to be protected. Robin, what are some of the other last-minute environmental protections that Obama has put into place? Well, depending on what you classify as last minute, uh, as Pat mentioned, he has used the Antiquities Act uh, repeatedly this year to protect oceans, uh, the northwestern Hawaiian islands, uh, expanding the Papahanaumokuakea Marine National Monument. Uh, he's expanded some other Pacific uh, monuments. He has set aside the, the canyons off the East Coast, which is the first time 
that uh, the, the Antiquities Act has been used in uh, the Northeast to protect oceans. Uh, like many presidents, there's anticipation that he will also be using the Antiquities Act to set aside uh, national monuments on land as well. Those tend to come very last minute in <laughs> the president's <laughs> administration. Uh, and uh, here in Utah, for example, we are anticipating that we will have a Bears Ears uh, national monument here in the next month. So um, there, there could be a lot of those kinds of, of last-minute designations, uh, although I, I believe his use of the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act, as Pat mentioned, is uh, by far the, the most unusual thing a president has done toward the end of the term. Pat, some analysts say that the Obama administration may be hoping that just the sheer volume of all these let's say, 11th-hour actions will ensure that at least some of them survive? Yeah, I think there's some, some truth to that. Um, the question is, how much political capital uh, does the incoming president and the Republican Congress want to spend rolling back uh, laws and provisions and rules that are actually quite popular with the public? Uh, I mean, e- even among Republicans, the latest polling from the Yale uh, polling operation there uh, indicates that even among Republicans, there's strong support for controls on carbon emissions and recognition that climate change is an issue that needs to be dealt with, and even support for a carbon tax uh, or some mechanism to put a price on carbon to level the playing field so that some of these cleaner technologies can gain some headway. Same thing with the Endangered Species Act, which is a favorite punching bag uh, of conservatives, and, and we are expecting uh, with the chair of the House Natural Resources Committee, Mr. Bishop, uh, right there in Utah, in Robin's backyard. Uh, we're, we're expecting to see some attacks on the Endangered Species Act, but the latest polling again shows 90% support for the Endangered Species Act uh, among the public. So, you know, there's a limit, I think, to how many times Republicans can go after EPA and rules protecting air and water and wildlife uh, before there's some backlash. We'll see what that limit is coming up. I want to thank you both for being on Bloomberg Lawn discussing this important topic. That's Pat Parento. He's a professor at the University of Vermont Law School. And Robin Craig, she's a professor at the University of Utah Law School. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 Wall Street time and hope that you will be as well. Thanks to our technical director, Chris Tricomi, and our producer, David Sutterman. You can always find the latest legal news at BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com, plus a website for the legal community at BigLawBusiness.com. Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson starts right now, as soon as Carol tells us what's up. Uh, Coming up June, good afternoon, uh, Uber Technologies pulling its self-driving cars from San Francisco streets, uh, the state of California revoking registrations for the vehicle. So we're going to dig a little bit into that. Also, we're going to be talking with the CEO at Juniper Network. So we got a lot uh, going on this Thursday. I know. those. I have, <laughs> I'm interested to hear about those self-driving cars because they have a yeah. little bit of a scare factor. Yes. <laughs> That's coming up on Bloomberg Radio. Stay right there. This is Bloomberg. <laughs>